Are you new to the world of comics? It's a latex adventure. Have you always loved comics and just can't get enough? You gotta love indie comics. Or do you fall somewhere in between? I just think that would be weird enough to be amazing. Wherever you fall on the spectrum, we've got something for you. Everything from space dwarves, vegetarian vampires, dinosaurs, the invisible man, etc., etc., etc. Set it on fire and wreck it to the children and laugh at their parents and then we'll get on the... <laughs> oh man, I'm toasted. Come on, let's go while I'm feeling it. This is the I Don't Know Shit About Comics podcast. Family guy on steroids turned up to 11. Learn with us. He is a condom-themed superhero. Teach us. If you are an indie creator, I really do think you should check them out. Or just show up for the party. I got this fucking prick wearing a rubber on his head, hanging out with a character named Spermicidal Foam Lab. This is the I Don't Know Shit About Comics podcast. Welcome to the I Don't Know Shit About Comics podcast, the podcast about comics hosted by someone who doesn't know shit about them. I'm Brian, and I've got my guest co-host with me tonight, Brandon from Apollo City Comics. What's up, Brandon? Hello. Thanks for having me come corrupt your show again. Well, thanks for keeping me company because, as we know, I don't know anything about comics. And I need a local expert to help me out with this. I'm here to guide you through every moment. Hold your hands. Get close. <laughs> so we've got three guests tonight. We've got Drew Edwards. Drew does Halloween Man. We also have Dan Price. He does Bigfoot Nose Karate and Latex Adventure. Avenger. It's a latex adventure. That'd be awesome. I love that. And then we have Lorenzo Lionheart, who's got not only the coolest name out of everyone here, yes. Lorenzo does Mad Cloud Comics, and we're happy to have all you guys here tonight. Let's start with Drew, since it is your time of year. Tell us a little bit about Halloween Man. Well, Halloween Man is best described as the weird adventures of a zombie superhero and his sexy mad scientist girlfriend. They fight everything from space dwarves, vegetarian vampires, dinosaurs, the invisible man, etc., etc., etc. We even have a Christmas special we actually just discontinued our relationship with Comixology, which has been our home for the last eight years. And we're moving on to the greener, nicer pastures of global comics. That's comics with an X. Interesting. That's been blowing up for a bit now. That book sounds dope, by the way. We need to talk more after the show. So let me just like ask you real quick, why that switch? What was the decision? Um, I mean, what can you tell me about that? So I'll give the short version because the long version would take up the entirety of this podcast. Everybody who follows the comic book industry knows that Comixology was bought by Amazon. And then last October, they merged with Amazon. They literally merged the, the sites and the apps and you know, it was a whole cluster, you know what? And it wasn't very creator friendly. It certainly wasn't fan friendly. Uh, I, I was out about six months of, of income, actually, because of that whole situation. Oh, wow. um, but even but even before then, I, I was starting to, to want to move to a different publisher. Uh, you know, Comixology had been a good home for us, but uh, when when they got purchased by Amazon, things slowly started to change. And, you know, I'm also just an independent minded kind of guy to begin with. So, uh, you know, I, I didn't really want to be just another cog in, in the Jeff Bezos machine. Yeah. 
completely. Um, so, uh, you know, I had, I had several, t- I didn't actually want initially to go to another digital platform. I had some very serious talks with some, some very different print publishers across the comic book industry, but global actually reached out to me on Twitter And after several meetings, I was just so impressed with them and also just how positive they were about comics as a medium, as an industry, as an art form, because that's, you know, there's a lot of doom and gloom on social media when it comes to comics, but these guys were the reverse of that. And I'm telling you, like, I I have a little bit of insight as to what their plans are in 2023. Like they're gonna they're gonna become a force to reckon with in this industry. And I'm I'm really happy to be, you know, a part of that team. And I'm happy to be their their sort of ambassador for the the month of October. Yeah, no, totally. And since we deal with so many indie creators and we're all in indie creators here, do you think that global comics is a good route for indie creators to look into? One hundred comics. Yeah. Okay. Um, definitely like I definitely, you know, comicsology has, a, has a certain advantage as like a brand name, but they, they definitely like, I had to deal with a lot of different stuff, you know, not just like the fact that, that they, they essentially lost my comics for, for half a year, but, um, yeah. you know, there were some weird censorship issues that i had had to deal mm, with. That's um, no fun. Yeah, like it comics, you know, comicsology just kind of lost that that creator friendly aspect that I had valued. Global Comics has all of the the stuff that comicsology used to have and more. They are very very active partners. Like they've been doing a wonderful job of pushing the Halloween Man brand as as soon as we started the pop up on their their site and you know they they've allowed halloween man the character to sort of be the face of global comics for for this october and the fact that i have people that you know i believe in what they're doing they believe in what i'm doing and we're actually backing each other up that's something i never had this deeply over at comicsology so if you are an indie creator i really do think you should you should check them out that's awesome. It's also very like kind of punk rock to kind of stray away from the corporation and then stick with the indie people and kind of, you know, your indie creators boosting each other, indie podcasts, and just like Apollo City Comics, who's running a punk rock themed anthology right now where people can submit things um, until the end of November. Uh, go ahead and check that out. We partnered with Lesser Known Comics. There's my first plug. Um, <laughs> so besides Halloween Man, what was your... Uh, any other books you have coming out right now or in the works? Well, um, it, it is sort of interrelated to the global comics thing. I just did an Indiegogo with Dan Price, who is on the show with us tonight, uh, with his other, it was a crossover between Halloween Man and his other title. It's a humor book called uh, The Latex Avenger. Uh, Your ears did not deceive you. He is a condom themed superhero that was a lot of fun i loved working with dan dan is a a a top-notch comedy writer he's just razor sharp and when he gets the talking you're gonna see he's extremely extremely witty you know and it's still on demand on indiegogo so if you want to go purchase not only some copies of the latex avenger crossover but also some print copies of Halloween Man, right now you can you can get it through the Indiegogo until until the end of the month. 
So that would be a fun intro into both of our work. Nice. Brian, why don't you introduce us to Mr. Dan Price? Dan, you and Drew just put out a crossover book with Latex Avenger and Halloween Man. How did it all come about? Well, I mean, first of all, it depends on how you spend your Halloween. Drew and I go back 10 years. We live 15 minutes from each other here in Austin, Texas. We've been at all sorts of different comic events throughout the years together. Austin Nerd Cave Showcase, different you know, staples. And I always dug Halloween Man. He always dug Latex Avenger. When he came to me initially about it, I was like, yeah, right. You know, because I mean, Halloween Man's a book of merit. Drew's been nominated for Ringo Awards, and, you know, won the best of Austin from the Austin Chronicle. And, What's the language limit on here? Oh, you can say whatever the fuck you want. I got this fucking prick wearing a rubber on his head, hanging out with a character named Spermicidal Foam Lab, and they're repelling crime 99.9% of the time. I said to him, man, we're, we're all getting canceled. You do understand this, right? And he assured me we're going to do this well because it's biting humor. It's family guy on steroids turned up to 11. We did the crossover, which was a blast. I mean, I've gotten to work on Halloween Man comics before, uh, the Bat City special, and I did cover for the Loch Ness Monster book. and. A lot of fun, but this was really neat getting to play in, you know, Drew's sandbox with his characters and, you know, and, you know, him getting to play with mine. And we, uh, it was cool because like he wrote this, the story and literally I just rescripted all my characters. You know, I mean, he had a great story already laid out and he wrote the, he wrote the, the, the script the whole way through. And then I just went with it, like, you know, and said, okay, this is how they would say that. And it was fun. I mean, it was fun. And we got to work with our friend Paulo Hernandez on that book, who's an amazing artist and really has a good understanding of comedic timing on the comic page. So it worked really well. How do you go about doing a crossover like that? Is one of you an artist and the other one writes? Or do you come up with something, send it over, and then they add a little bit to it? How does that all go down? Yeah, no, I mean, so, I mean, I do writing and art and Drew is the writer creator of Halloween man, but we actually had an artist, Paula Hernandez on this project. And so, um, and I, you know, I've written latex Avenger. I've drawn it. I've done both on the same issue, but, um, Paula took the art chores over drew really had the, the skeleton of what this was going to be like, not skeleton. I mean, he had it down and just basically said, you know, I've got this story and it's, it was a fun story. I mean, it's kind of one of those crossovers where the voids open and, you know, we're coming through wormholes and now, nah, no, he wrote this comic where it's basically like a sitcom walking in on another sitcom. And, uh, you know, they just walks in and, you know, Latex Avenger just walks into, uh, Halloween, Halloween Man's universe in the town of Solar City, Texas. And, uh, you know, and hijinks <laughs> ensue. And it was so, and it really, it felt like, a, to me, it feels like a sitcom in, in the comic page, the way this book lays out. Now there's some action. Scooby-Doo like awesomeness going on in this thing because you know they are Halloween Man is a is a you know half man half zombie superhero you know with you know who has adventures with his bad scientist sexy mad scientist girlfriend did I get that kind of right Drew yes yeah, okay. yes you did uh, I was trying to do his boilerplate but I I kind of wrecked it a little bit I I, um, I I'm trying to give you your time I am very oh. verbose normally. <laughs> Dan's so quick yeah. at it, man. He's the the way listening to Dan talk, you're just like, man, this is action-packed information. It was fun, you know, and there's like three people who were very responsible for me getting me back into doing comics again. Like, and it was Drew was one of them, Casey Allen, my co-writer on Bigfoot Knows Karate, 
and a gentleman named Christopher Speck that I met on Instagram. They saw me drawing the Bigfoot character and like, you got to do something with that. And, you know, Drew got me to do the Bat City special. And I'm really grateful to Drew because I'm grateful for you, Mark, as well. Don't get me wrong. But I'm really grateful for Drew because he really did. You know, I had done comics for years and took a long break. And he was one of the people who helped me get back into the game. And now got me doing Bigfoot Knows Karate. <laughs> we were talking a little bit before we actually started the episode here. Bigfoot Knows Karate. I don't need to hear any more to be interested in that. Just thought it would be funny. You know, I just thought uh, the, originally that was the intent. It was going to live in the latex adventures. It was going to be this um, story, you know, this very, uh, this very trite story of like this Bigfoot gets hurt and a master finds him and trains him. And then something happens to the master, and now you have this revenge plot that we've seen so many times in so many martial arts films, you know? And so, and, but, and then, but the twist on it was going to be that he was going to go on a cane like journey and find himself in a suburb of, of Dallas working at a mall, uh, you know, at like a hot dog on a stick and fighting like uh, all these, uh, you know, like older people in sweatsuits. They were called the sweatsuit mafia, you know, the ones that walked the mall in the mornings. And it just terribly, it was not good. He had a girlfriend who was like 11 months pregnant, a roommate that was kind of like Styles from Teen Wolf. It just didn't work. It was really just bad. And I shelved it. And then like three years later, started drawing the character again. And it was much more sad. You could see the depression in his eyes. You could see this loneliness of you're the only one of your kind and no one knows you exist. And that kind of kept going through my mind a lot as I was drawing this character over and over again. But I had to find the right story. and. If I don't know if any of y'all have read the comic, maybe some of y'all have read the comic. The if we we sold it like a punch em up book where it was like Bigfoot knows karate versus Kung Fu Thulu, the ultimate cryptid showdown of the century. And it was. I mean, he fought a Cthulhu who did martial arts, rock on. But if you you know you read through the whole book, you can, you know, there was just this big, huge twist at the end of the issue. And, you know, and that's what kind of likened the book to Godzilla versus Kong meets Kill Bill with a twist. And, um, the, the, it's been such a pleasure working on this project because, you know, I, I've done comedy for so many years. This is an actual opportunity to write like an action adventure psychological thriller and put a, just a huge twist on like what the hero's journey of the whole thing is supposed to be because he's a freaking Bigfoot. It started out of nonsense. It sounded like a fun title and it just kind of grew from there. How many years has this been in development in your head at this point? Like you you shelved it for a bit and then came back to it. I'm yeah. curious on that. Yeah, no. I mean, the first ideas were like 2015, 2014 maybe. And then uh in 2017, 2018 started just doodling the character. My co-writer on the book, Casey, was like, "Dude, get off your ass on this thing. You've got something here. Just make it happen." And so we talked through, you know, all these different scenarios. Originally, he was just going to be my editor, but he was putting so much great work into it, you know, that it was like, just go right with me. Let that be a lesson. Like, if you're an indie creator and you have an idea and it doesn't come out right, like, sometimes it just needs time. It needs to grow a little bit. That's how things become brilliant. And then you have this kick-ass thing going on. It just took some time. So a lot of people give up at a certain point. That's the cool thing about comics and stories like these. Speaking of stories that we don't know about, let's hear from the only guy, like, typically, I have the coolest last name in the room, and you've shown me up. Brian, please introduce our next guest. We've got Lorenzo Lionheart. I feel like your comic book should just be about you or the character should at least be named after you. Tell us about Mad Cloud Comics. First, um, I didn't mean to show you up on a name that, that just 
you know, I was invited. <laughs> I created Bahati. She was Mad Cloud Comments' first serialized issue. And Bahati is about a badass female warrior who hunts these people known as the Cursed Ones. And she hunts them until the queen she was sworn to protect becomes one. And so now she basically has to defend the queen against the people she used to work with. And every time she meet one of her old coworkers, it's basically either let us walk or we fight. And as far as our Kickstarter, we have four stories on there now. Besides Bahati, we have Kita's Honor, which is a group project. It was me and five other writers. We got together and we did a randomizer. And basically the randomizer gave us the scene, the scenario, uh, the character, the age limits, relationship preference. And then we just built the world with those suggestions that the randomizer gave us. It was that's interesting, awesome. but it was... It's a challenge, man. Yeah. like that, that's, <laughs> that's like one of those writing prompts that you're just like, man, I hope I get something I could work with. But that's brilliant. That's a good exactly. push as a creator. Yeah. So now I think going forward, we might do that a lot more often and just get a group of writers and do some prompts and see see what we can build going forward. I see you got a friend there. Told you you can see some cat ass in this video, 100%. So I started Let's You Know Comics in 2020. And I think as, as Drew and Dan can attest to, the difficulty of just making a book, you know, but you, I mean, what, you're on your, your fourth or fifth book? Like, you got a lot of stuff going on. You're doing a crazy amount of stuff in a short amount of time. Your first release was less than a year ago. Yes. What's that been like? You also have an interesting model in this kind of the same way that I create a sandbox for illustrators. You seem to create a sandbox for writers to come in. Yes. Some interesting stuff with you. So as far as getting content out there, I tell writers if they want to write something, not to come to Mad Cloud with the, the one story that they've always wanted to write for forever, to come and try to create something new. And we all work on it together. And I cover the artists and everything, but it allows the writer to actually get a profile going instead of just having nothing. This way, as far as rights and everything, everybody's making it up. So the platform keeps it and the platform can do marketing and everything take care of that on the platforms and then the writer still has credits and everything else that they need to get their portfolio started and that helps when we do group projects like Kita's Honor everyone was new to writing the comic form so that was the experience with it and the guy who's the lead writer on it his name is Dalma Rock and he's been wanting to write stories for a while I got him on the project he did some script writing and now he finally got something going along with other four writers yeah it's interesting when you when you put everybody together and y'all do a group project because you get everybody's background and how they feel about writing certain scenes and certain characters that's such a cool writer's room for comics. You know what I mean? Like they do that for TV, even film scripts to an extent, but doing a writer's room basically for the com- like a comic that's like not common at all whatsoever. So that format and that ideology behind it, it's pretty brilliant to be honest. Yeah. And it helps the story going forward because if you do it as a group, you got four or five writers that you can choose from to to be the lead on any issue at any one time, which will help the story go so many different directions. Because you get used to one person writing it, and then you're like, hey, you're writing a new issue. Do whatever you want with it. And that like Dan is said, wild. like Dan and Drew did their crossover. For instance, if Dan was a part of the project, we'd just be like, uh, Dan hasn't worked on the issue. Let's let him do the next five. That gives everybody else a break to do something else. Lorenzo, everyone here has talked about collaborating on projects, either with someone on this podcast right now or other indie comic creators. 
What are the greatest benefits from collaborating? Viewership for one. Two, you get to see the characters do something different with somebody else's character, like interaction wise. And um, like, for instance, how would Bahati react to Bigfoot knows karate? In her case, she will probably try to kill it as soon as she sees it. But how would Bigfoot react to Bahati? It'd be something for the, the readers to just laugh at, like. I can see this happening if they read both of the stories. That's what made crossovers fun. You don't see them often with the major people because they have their own universes. But with indie people, once you see it, it's, it's, it's a good laugh and it's fun overall, for me at least. As a fan of comics, what crossover would you love to see? Hawk Superman. I would like to see that. Interesting. All right. Drew, what do you think the greatest benefits of collaborating are and what what crossover would you like to see? You know, what I often say is that if I didn't like collaborating with people, I would be a novelist and not a comic book writer. You know, I've been doing this for, for nearly 23 years. If my comic was a kid, it would be in college by now. And I've had a chance to work with a lot of great people and just seeing everybody's interpretations of my character characters, uh, you know, versus like the mental image that I have of them to everybody putting their own stamp on it. That's a very gratifying thing. And it's always interesting to see. Um, as far as working with other writers, I haven't done that that much. I've, I've, I worked with Tim Seeley a bit when I did the, the crossover with Hack Slash. And then I worked with Dan when we did the Latex Avenger crossover, obviously. And when you work with other writers, you pick up tips from them, particularly like, uh, you know, I was just talking about it this with, with about Dan earlier. Dan is, is a really great comedy writer, um, you know, much better at that than I am. So it was a chance for me to sharpen those chops from working with him. So you learn through collaboration. Crossover, I've always wanted to see. I'm going to be self-serving and say Halloween Man versus Hellboy so I can see Halloween Man beat the crap out of that big red lobster demon guy. He's been riding a little too high for too long and he's a monster cop. I think it's about time another monster just beat the snot out of him. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's oh <sick>. yeah. <laughs> That's too sick. Dan, greatest benefits you've seen from collaborating with people and what crossover would you want to see? Well, if you ever saw the first issue of Latex Avenger, you knew that it Definitely, with me doing the art and the story, you definitely needed some collaborators along the way. Uh, you know, no, I mean, you grow as a creator. I mean, when I, I started working on uh, Latex Avenger, I was doing the art and story, and then uh, I started working with a cat named Bond, and who, you know, his art made me want to be a better writer. Like Drew said, you learn from the people you collaborate with. Working with Casey now on Bigfoot, he pushes me in a whole different direction. And then as a writer, I enjoy working with other writers. As an artist, I enjoy working with writers in a whole different capacity. And then as a creator, when artists are taking on your character, that's to me is just the coolest thing in the world. Because you came up with the ideas of the design and what the character looked like, and what makes them recognizable. And then you see other artists take your character and just spin it in a whole other direction. I mean, Drew, you've had how many artists work on like, Halloween Man? Tons. I don't even think I could I could count a lot. Right. I mean, with like Bigfoot, well, Latex Avenger. I mean, I've had several artists do different things for him over the years. Uh, with Bigfoot, we just watched fan art just come in all over the place for you know people just were attracted to the character. And now that you know, and then we get to do like on the Kickstarter we're running right now, we get all these different you know different covers with different artists on them. So it's really cool to get to see what you came up with 
you know, just it, you get to see it in a whole other light. And I think it pushes us as creatives. As far as a, a crossover, I'd like to see, I can't say it would necessarily be in comics. There'd be two. Uh, the movie Condor Man meets the movie Flash Gordon, the old Sam J. Jones movie. I just think that would be weird enough to be amazing. Yeah. And then if uh, anything else would be uh, choosing the Pussycats meets the Ramones. I like yeah. it. Incredible. Obviously, Latex, Avenger, and Halloween Man, they're not they're not based off of you guys unless, you know, there's something I don't know yet. But it seems like there's so much of you guys that go into your comics. It's so personal. Do you just pick up a comic and you're like, man, I would really like working with this guy because I'm picking up what he's putting down. There's a laundry list that I have of artists that I would like to work with some, some that are, you know, fairly famous and some that are other indie creators. I think when you're a guy that writes comics, uh, more often than not, you're going to see an artist that, that draws certain types of characters. And you're like, man, I would love to see that character or that artist's interpretation of uh halloween man or you know bigfoot nose karate or stuff like that you know if you're in a position like dan or i where you've been lucky enough to, to get a lot of, of you know fan art um you're you're lucky enough to see your characters interpreted a lot of different ways and sometimes that becomes uh more of a relationship like for example my my art director april guadiana on halloween man she was somebody that entered a fan art contest about 10 years ago and i was impressed enough with their stuff that that turned into a friendship which then turned into a professional relationship and that happens a lot at least at least it has to me i mean to touch on that i mean well hell i've drawn uh halloween man fan art you know i mean i've done a few pieces but you know and uh the cover artist who did uh bigfoot issue one and now is doing the cover for issue two it was a fan art piece that grabbed you know that you know i mean yeah it was fan art now he's going to be doing the next issue of bigfoot knows karate that comes out as a side story where he's actually doing the interiors his name's adam caswell he's incredible and uh so it's funny how yeah i mean you you meet people through the the oddest ways you got to love indie comics. That's all I can. Yeah. What attracts you to indie comics? Lorenzo. So I stayed overseas most of my adult life. And most of the time you ask anybody over there, like, what do they think about American comics? They immediately go to characters like Batman, Superman, nothing but Marvel and DC. But if you ask them, like, what's their favorite manga or something, they can give you a hundred different stories. But once it gets to American like industry, they only know Marvel and DC. And as far as uh, going indie, I, I wanted to create my own stories for one. And then I, I also didn't want to try to to be one of the millions of people trying out for Marvel and DC because starting off on that route, it probably wouldn't have went well. And I've always wanted to write stories. So why not do it on my own? And uh, What was that also, deciding factor? Like being like looking at the Jim Lees and the Tony Daniels and Jason Fawbooks, like looking at that art and then being like, fuck that. I'm going to do this shit right here. Some people kind of look at Marvel and DC and that's like, that's the staple of comic book art. What gets you to draw away from that and do your own thing? Reading some manga book and talking to some of the artists over there that made me realize that once I get back home, I'm going to, I'm going to do my own thing. And I also wanted to do my own like creative freedom to, to do it how I wanted to do it and not how I was instructed to do it. If that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Dude, that's awesome. Drew, I got a couple of questions for you. First, you said you've been doing this for 23 years. What's the biggest difference creating comics now as opposed to 20 years ago? And you 
said that there was some censorship that started taking place with comiXology once Amazon took over. Did that all just start once Amazon took over? I'm just curious what the biggest differences were when a huge company like Amazon comes and takes over a small comic company. So the biggest difference between comics now versus when I started out, it's a lot easier to get your work out there because of digital platforms like Webtoons, Comixology, Global Comics, obviously. When Halloween Man started, it was a webcomic and I did it off of my own website, which was HalloweenMan.com. And, you know, it was the Wild West. There was no rules, um, which was very freeing. But, uh, you know, printing, if I tried to do a print Halloween Man, in you know the you know my early 20s i probably would have gone out of business within the first few issues and we wouldn't be having this conversation right now but uh you know now it's a lot easier to you, you have stuff like comics wellspring you know kablam uh it's a lot easier and more cost effective to print stuff um and indie comics in general i think are having kind as 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 it was said earlier kind of a renaissance right now um indie comics really they 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 were there was a period in the 80s and into the mid 90s where indie comics were really well respected uh you know it, definitely in the early aughts it, the pendulum had kind of swung back around to marvel and dc i think that you know small press and indie books are now a lot more more popular to your second question the censorship issues and i get i i don't want to go too far because i just don't want this to turn into a comicsology bash session but um, you know, the, the censorship issues did start when Amazon came in and there was almost immediately a, a difference, um, within a few months. So when I first started out with comiXology, I had a rep and it was the one person that I talked to and I had a relationship with this person for, for years. And all of a sudden, uh, Amazon comes in and within two or three months of that, I get a message from this guy and he says, well, my position has been eliminated. I just thought you would like to know here is the contact information for the people you will be talking to from here on. And if I had an issue, I would be suddenly talking four five, six, sometimes upwards of 10 people. Like it just wasn't a personable experience anymore. And that doesn't make you feel good. You know, like I like a person personal touch. I know the CEO of Global Comics name. Like we exchange Twitter messages fairly frequently. Like I like having that kind of relationship with a publisher. I don't like being treated like it's like tech support for for my new TV or something. And are the new people that you were reporting to if you had issues, were they even comic people or were they just corporate? Some of them were still comic people and those people were usually nice and easy enough to deal with. But some of them were people that were just Amazon people that had been shuffled over into this position. And, you know, I don't want to talk about their character. I don't really know them, but you shouldn't be working on a, a platform like Comixology unless you're passionate about comics. And the thing is, is the people that, that had been involved with comiXology were people who legitimately loved comics as an art form. And that was lost. And it was heartbreaking for me. 
I'm not asking you to trash the new people that have taken over, but describe to me what Comixology was like before Amazon took over. Oh, man. Well, again, you had a much more one-on-one -on -one personable approach. We had release dates that were, were pretty set in stone. If I said, okay, I'm going to turn an issue over to you, uh, you know, I knew when something was going to be published and they would work with you with stuff. Like, for example, when we put out the Halloween Man Christmas special, that's around the time where Amazon had, was initially getting their fingers in it. And suddenly, because I had said, hey, do a Christmas special. So I did. And then when I turned it over to them, I had somebody saying, we're thinking we're going to put it out in, in February. And I'm like, why the fuck would you put out a Christmas themed comic book in fucking February? And we went back and forth and eventually it did still get released in December, but that was a pretty heated discussion. And that's the sort of stuff that became more and more commonplace. And again, there's still good people that work at Comixology. I'm sure there's still people that love comics there. I have friends that still put out their books through Comixology. I don't want to completely throw them under the bus, but I'm definitely glad to be working with a different publisher and in a different place in the industry. I just have one last quick one. I'm sorry. Uh, okay. so I'm just curious. Did your sales go up when Amazon bought comics? Oh, no. Oh, no. no I no, thought no, maybe no. your reach would have been bigger. No, 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 no. It became impossible to find Halloween Man on their site. I lost about six months worth of income. It was awful. If you were to look up Halloween Man comics, you would be sent to a DVD of the movie Halloween or here's... Uh, you know, a book about Halloween, the holiday, or, you know, if I was lucky, uh, I would get sent over to, to Batman, the long Halloween or something. And I had an author's page that was, would, would show that I had, had written a bunch of stuff that it said that uh, like I had written a bunch of Godzilla comics, which I would kill. I'm a big Godzilla fan, but, uh, yeah. like they, it was like claiming claiming I had written stuff that I had not. And I, I was just like, this is, this should not. And it took a long time to fix and it shouldn't have. I'm happy to set the record straight within reason. It was just an intolerable situation. Yeah. When they focused like, again, more on the mainstream SEO purposes versus what the platform was kind of originally intended for in a sense, like and by helping creators and whatnot, like a small business in a sense, that's, wild that's heartbreaking when we share recommendations when it comes to folks like global comics as a digital platform or comics wellspring as a printer we all know the same people who pick up the phone or answer those those emails right it's like oh it's like one of like you know two or three people right that typically and and the importance of that is especially like not just as like a like a business person, right? Because you want obviously to have good customer service, but you're making your baby. These comics are your baby. You don't want to drop them off at daycare with some crazy stranger. You want to know who the person is. We'll do one more quick one for Dan. It's a two part question. One, I want to hear your worst pitch for a comic to Mark. Two, what other comedy projects have you worked on? I have been in creative writing and I just kind of steered towards comedy. Yeah, I always did. When I was in college, I actually did stand up. That was an all right time in my life. But there's nothing like getting your teeth punched in like every single night. It's a tough gig. Stand up comedy is no joke. What I learned during that time is that maybe I was not comfortable being on stage, but I love to write comedy. And so I, I, it just became something that just came really comfortable for me. 
Uh, and I even wrote for uh, rock, uh, rock and roll radio station in Houston. I wrote comedy for like their, their late night guy. Drew, I actually almost wrote for Esther's Follies there, but they said that my work was way too blue. Uh, the, uh, they were like, yeah, you're foul, dude. I'm like, well, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Um, but yeah, I know. So in writing the comics, it was just became, you know, if I was going to write a comic book, doing comedy was just natural. And, you know, I mean, hence why you got, I did Latex Avenger. I mentioned that before. I did another book, uh, Masters of the Obvious, which was a sci-fi space parody. He had, uh, he had characters like Dr. Biclops. He has two eyes and the visible woman. You can't miss her. And there'll be a collected edition of Masters of the Obvious available at uh, Baltimore Comic Con. Uh, so I'm actually uh, that, that's getting shipped to your house. Uh, the um, and then I even did a thing for the Stan Lee Foundation called Excelsior: The Uphill Adventures of a Boy Named Stanley, and that was a creator-owned project that I did for them. That actually Stan Lee tweeted for 12 weeks that we ran the project uh, as a web comic. Tweeted it every week. Um, I mean, somebody who worked for Stan tweeted. You know, yeah. I mean, I just can't imagine it, you know, but, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I like writing. I like, I mean, I'm, I'm not feeling like I'm being funny right now, but you know, yeah, I'm a funny guy. I don't know. You know, Hey, and what would be the worst pitch I could possibly drop on Mark? Did you see that documentary about Superman, the movie that, uh, that, uh, with Nicolas Cage? Yeah. Fuck yeah, I did. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We're going to make that. We're going to make, uh, we're going to make a comic about a documentary about a movie that never happened. Okay. Mark? What do you think, Mark? Yeah. Anything Nick Cage with green lighting immediately. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's about all the time we got. Let's go around the room really quick and start with Lorenzo. Tell people where they can find more of you, more of your comics, more of your work. Yeah. So we're on um, every social media platform. You can find us at Mad Cloud Comments on everything TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. If you go to our Instagram or Facebook, you should see our Kickstarter link for the Mad Cloud Comics Collective Batch. And just recently starting to get a lot more active on social media, you know, after finding out videos are our life on all of the platforms now. I had the same experience on my OnlyFans page. Videos are king. Yeah, yeah. you too, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Dan, what about you? Where can people find more of you and more of your work? Sure. Um, you can, the best place to find me is uh, bigfootnosekarate.com. There you can go to the link for my Kickstarter launched on Wednesday. We reached our first stretch goal as of last night and the votes just came in. So, hey, y'all getting two stickers for the first stretch goal. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter under danomite139. That's D-A-N-O-M-Y-T-E-139. I am on Global Comics as well. You can find Bigfoot Nose Karate, the very first issue. They're for free. To go check out. Uh, so if you want to go check out a free copy of Big Fitness Karate, go to Global Comics. And there is also a, a preview copy of uh, uh, some preview pages of issue two on Global Comics as well right now. So if you want to check that out, see how you like it and come over to there to that Kickstarter that I mentioned that was active right now. And you can find all of that over at BigFootNoseKarate.com. Yeah, I'm actually on BigFootNoseKarate.com right now and people check out the merch. He has some of the coolest t-shirts and hoodies yes. I've ever seen. Badass, man. Thank you very much. That's awesome. Drew, where can people find more of you and your work? On Instagram, I am Drew underscore Halloween. Although I will warn you, it's, it's mostly pictures of my wife. I I don't like posting pictures of myself. Um, secondly, on Instagram, I am Halloween Man Calm. That's 
all one word, all lowercase. And of course, on Global Comics, do me a solid. You should follow Halloween Man on there. Right now, we have all 23 years of Halloween Man available to read for free. And coming up towards the end of the month, we have two new comics, including the Latex Avenger crossover. Hell yeah. Brandon, thanks so much for taking this journey with me tonight. Thanks to all of our guests for coming on. We hope you guys had just as much fun as we did. And hey, I still don't know shit about comics. 